Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931 381 2663 or visit mtbj.net. Southern Middle Tennessee. Welcome back into another week of a Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao along with Maurice Patton, J.P. Plant on the controls as always. It's been a roller coaster of a weekend, folks. If you have not paid attention to all of the different sports from high school to college to pro, a roller coaster weekend it has been. But it was a fun weekend for sports fans, whether your team won or lost, just because we got to watch sports. And six months ago, who knew if that was going to happen again? So, Mo, good morning. Welcome in. Well, good morning to you as well. I um, You spoke about the fun weekend, and I'm not necessarily sure about that, but okay. I mean, I <laughs> look, I, my team lost – last night my team won yesterday afternoon my team lost saturday afternoon <laughs> but in you know just being able to watch sports and have that that emotional roller coaster that's that that's a pleasure that i had forgotten about i i I'd, over the years i've kind of become callous to sports in general as far as fandom goes i, I you know i can watch a game without any rooting interest and just kind of sit there and watch i'm generally there with one notable exception and that was the one that was going on from say 7 15 until about 10 30 last night yeah it, it was a tough loss for the atlanta braves it really was and and it but in you know as upset and as angry as i am again the Atlanta Braves played in Game 7 of the NLCS in 2020. You know, so, Jeff Schultz with the Atlantic really um, said it best in his post-game article today. Well, probably late last night. So no doubt this will sting for a while, probably until and if Atlanta returns to the postseason in 2021. But Los Angeles was considered by most the better and deeper team before the season, during the season, and going into the playoffs. The Dodgers just finally played like it. And and they did, and man, what what a rough. It was rough, but that's, I mean, you get up two nothing, you get up three one, and you expect you expect to win. And, you have, and that's a reasonable expectation. But again, like Schultz said, the Dodgers finally played like the best team, certainly in the National League and possibly in baseball. Well, and just like I said after the eighth inning last night, I knew the game wasn't over, but they beat our two best pitchers. And they got the heart of our order out with the game on the line. 
they deserved it. The Braves didn't. And that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed They're number one for a reason. But I'll tell you this. If they're the best team in the National League, then the Atlanta Braves are 1A. Oh, yeah. There's no question. I mean, a one-run game in Game 7 is exactly what you want as a baseball fan. As a fan of either team, yeah, it, it sucks to lose those one-run games in Game 7. But you can't ask for more from from a baseball game than what we got last night. And I saw somewhere where the Braves had five players, 23 or under, on the field last night. That's um, it's a bright future. A very bright future, and I'm excited about it. All right. That's All right. uh that that we're gonna get that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> we not rip that band aid off real quick. I, I need time that, to move on. I need that purge so I can go <laughs> on with the rest of my day. I started to wear all black today. <laughs> go across the street. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Jennings and Ayers over there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pay my respects. Have a funeral. Yeah. Fen- <laughs> First time I, I called a funeral funeral, I thought Mo was gonna die. I, I about fell out the car. He was like, "A what?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the roller coaster of emotions started Friday night for for me. I was at uh, well, I was at Columbia Academy, and they got a forty three twenty one win over Tipton Rosemark. Really, after the first two drives, there that game wasn't really much in question. Uh, they. It, really big win for that team and with with the win and next week's COVID win over Clarksville Academy according to folks that I talked to at Columbia Academy I don't know this specifically but they say because of that they will make the playoffs they can't not make the playoffs because they will have a tiebreaker over Tipton and Clarksville so they are in the playoffs and that makes sense. It does make but as but much sense. Here's the thing. As much sense as as the division two A postseason makes. Yeah, but here's the problem with that mm-hmm. is Tipton Rosemark plays Nashville Christian next week, which would give them a third win if they were to win. So I don't know if that's exactly right. And there might there but might just may, be some supposition going yeah. on in on the part of Columbia Academy and, and that's a fair supposition to make. Sure. If, if Tipton Rosemark has just lost to Columbia Academy, which won for the first time all year, it, it might be a little bit of a stretch to expect Tipton Rosemark to beat Nashville Christian, which I think beat University School of Jackson over the weekend. Well, you can say all that, but 2020 has given us some wild high school football games, including one Friday night we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But let's talk briefly about this Columbia Academy game mm-hmm. that – I got to go out of here because you you linked the indie game to that one, so no. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go find the action. Oh. That's all right. Oh man, Devin Del Carmen had a big game. He ran for ninety four yards on seven carries, but he had two fumbles, and that was one thing that we talked about after the game with Coach Charlie Lansdale and with Devin, and he, they both said, "Look, that's something that we got to clean up." But still, a very big game. He set up a touchdown run, and he actually set up two touchdowns in that game so good job by that young man and he knows that he's got to clean up the the ball security so it's a lot easier to clean that kind of thing up after a win though oh absolutely but what i wanted to talk about in this particular game is monty baldwin the eighth grader 
who <laughs> carried the ball five times for 50 yards and his second touch of the night went for an eight-yard touchdown run and he was elated as well he should be absolutely as well columbia academy fans should be because that young man is seriously special he 10 yards of carry is pretty good and That's, he had a couple of big ones that and would have had more but um a holding penalty on the other side of the field uh negated a big run by him too so it had no impact on the the, the play you know we've been hearing about monte for the last two years i actually um was at a middle school game that they played um, earlier this year. I think it was against CPA and um, the Lions middle school team. That defense saw a lot of Monte's back. And so um, they've been pretty fired up about him coming up to the varsity at the end of that season. And certainly he showed why everybody was excited about him. And it's going to be a, um, a fun four years to watch that youngster grow into – that position this just goes to show you the the difference in columbia academy's offense last week max ballard goes for over 100 yards this week he has 19 and that's not because he had a bad game it's just because the way that offense runs it's it could be anybody on any given week. Yeah, it just happened to be Del Carmen this week. It's kind of like the triangle offense in basketball. You don't really know where the production's going to come from. Like you said, um, Max with 18 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown against Trinity uh, two Fridays ago. And Friday night it was Del Carmen and it was Baldwin off the bench. Yeah. Big win for that team. And they will be, as of now, off on Friday, but that could change. They were scheduled to play Clarksville Academy. Clarksville Academy is in quarantine due to COVID-19 issues at their school. Therefore, Columbia Academy will be given a COVID win in their region, which means they will probably make the playoffs uh, most likely. So that's it. I mean, that's a big win for them. And it it only just goes to show that the resiliency of this team, they understand that they are playing in a very difficult region and their schedule just so happened to fall, unfortunately, (laughs) because they play five of the best teams in the state of Tennessee uh, in, in those first five weeks. Yeah, and, and three of those in region play. So it, it doesn't take long to to get behind the eight ball in that situation, and that's exactly what they've done pretty much each of the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so when we come back, we're going to talk about seven of the remaining – or six of the remaining games that we had over the weekend – We'll talk about a double overtime thriller on the other side of this break. Big game. All right, when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, we'll talk about Spring Hill and Marshall County. Should be good.
take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 23 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock here, and a beautiful day here in cool Columbia, Tennessee. 66 degrees and mostly sunny, a high of 80 today, and I didn't wear my shorts, which is unusual. If it's if the high is anywhere around 71 or hotter, I'm usually wearing shorts. But 72, that's your demarcation line? Yeah, it's kind of... Kind of the one I don't know when I was in your leg equator. When I was a in um, when I was in school, my dad would not let me wear shorts if it was any colder than 68. 68 was the the cutoff. That was a lie. But now it's it's kind of bumped up a little, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> that tends to change a little bit once you start dressing yourself. I guess. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was dressing myself. I just wanted to wear shorts at 50 degrees. <laughs> And Dad wouldn't let me. Nah. I would have wore shorts year-round. I dealt with that. I mean. I, I, I dealt with that with a teenager I myself. Was a so big old fan of the the shorts yeah, in let, the let, cold let, air. Let the legs breathe. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Friday night, <laughs> Region 4, 4A. What an incredible performance by the Spring Hill Raiders, even in – a double overtime loss. Uh, when I called JP to do the post-game hit after Columbia Academy's win, he tells me the score, and I'm, I thought, well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared. And You know, when he asks us during pregame what game would we want to be at if we weren't at the game we were at, this should have been our response. Apparently, hindsight without question. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just don't see that many overtimes these days. Haven't been a bunch this year that I know of. And that and was the first one in our coverage area, I believe. I believe you may be right. And no, well, CA last week down right. at Trinity went over overtime, but this one seven to seven through regulation. I, I, the defenses were, were were really playing well. I, you know, when you hold Marshall County to 215 yards of total offense, that's a really good job by your defense. 215 and, and 20 of that would have come in the two overtime periods. That's right. I mean, it's it's really impressive. Now, that being said, Spring Hill was held to 146 yards of total offense but they did score i mean they scored in the second quarter they you know lamarion pierce 
on a five-yard run in the first quarter for Marshall County. And then Mac Ritchie, uh, it was 7-16 to go in the second quarter. He has a 10-yard run, and it's a tie ball game going into overtime. What a find for Spring Hill offensively. I mean, Mac Ritchie here in this last three weeks or so since Spring Hill came out of their COVID pause. Um, what are they? They're 2-2 they're two and two now with both losses to top 10 teams at Mount Juliet and at home against Marshall County in double overtime with with wins over Maplewood, a very big win for them in region play and down at Richland. So, And, and all of that, again, has been since they've kind of retooled that offense and, and made Mac Ritchie more of the focal point. I, I think it's important to note that he – his running style is a little different than what they've seen in the past. He's he's more of a hard-nosed kind of guy, stick your head in, get three, four yards as best you can, and hopefully at some point you either wear the defense down or he breaks through and takes off on a long run. He runs angry. He really does, and that's what you have to have in, you know, when you have when you're trying to run between the tackles, you have to have somebody who who can run angry and he he does that. And and by doing that and by making the defense aware of your between-the-tackles threat like that, then that makes the edges easier for some other guys to attack. Absolutely. You know, in the game, Dante Prowl had a couple runs, uh, 26 yards, which I'm sure was based off of some play – not play action, but some – fake up the middle mm-hmm. come around the, the edge kind of thing and he's able to get the edge because he's probably one of the fastest people in this county if not farther yeah uh absolutely so and then overtime mac ritchie catches a 10-yard pass on first down from luca boyle and brett hughes makes the kick and marshall county comes back christian stacy on third down gets a, a four-yard pass from bryson hammonds and john estes when I tell you, Mo, I, I was watching this game on NFHS. When I tell you he almost missed that extra point, he almost missed that extra point. It was so close and would have been a massive upset. And what's ironic about that is when we had Thomas Osteen on a couple of weeks ago before their matchup with their second matchup with Giles County, he had talked about you know how special those special teams have been and and how good John Estes had been so when it, you told me how close they came to losing this game on a missed extra point it's like it it just speaks to the unpredictability of high school football as much as anything no question so again Marshall County does get the 21-14 win over Spring Hill that means that Spring Hill and Lawrence County will essentially be playing for a playoff spot in week 11 uh, for that fourth spot nolensville has tullahoma and marshall county left so they could potentially play their way into a region title i don't think they can beat tullahoma but wouldn't that be crazy though i i, I certainly think the, the nolensville marshall county game just got a little more interesting yeah because that's basically for number two that's for number two and three, and then Spring Hill, Lawrence County, those those games both week 11. So you will not know who your opponent is if you're there cross-region until Friday night about 10.30 on week 11. So Yeah. That's going to be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, as far as talking about playoffs, 
Columbia Central is now in a must-win situation after a 28-10 loss at Page on Friday night. They have to beat Shelbyville just to get into the playoffs, and that is not necessarily a a lock, even if they were to do that. Depending on what happens, they're going to need some help. They are going to need some help, and, and I'm not real sure exactly where that help is going to come from, but you know, the, the first thing is that they have to take care of their own business by beating Shelbyville and, you know, having watched that game Friday night against Page, very winnable ball game for Central. I'm, I'm not sure that – I'm just not sure that that's a realistic expectation at this point. I don't, I don't know why this team is underperforming, but it is underperforming. And it, it's tough to figure. Late, late in the game Friday, they were without some folks. Um, Brady McCandless left the game with some sort of a head injury. Um, ditto for, for Justin Buckman, who, when he was in the game, wasn't very effective. 16 carries for 24 yards. Um, it was just a disjointed offensive effort. You know, they scored first, I believe. And and then um, missed some uncharacter- uncharacteristically missed some tackles on a couple of pass plays and um, allowed Page to go up thirteen seven and they just never really mounted much of a threat from there. This is a team that should not be where it is. No, there's no reason for this team to be losing to. Franklin County and Page. Franklin County, Page, and and scoring eleven points or less in both. in each of in each of those games. This offense is too good. There's too much talent on that side of the ball. There really is. I mean, this team is four and four. Their losses are to Summit, which no shame in that. To Lincoln, uh, to Lincoln County. No, they beat Lincoln, Lincoln County. Beat Lincoln County. Lost to Franklin County. Lost to Franklin. Who was their other loss to, though? They lo- Oh, Giles County. Giles County. And, and and they shouldn't have lost to them either. It's certainly not 42-13. This offense is the is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you look and you see the pieces over there, when you see a Stephen Kennard, when you see a My Christian goodness. Biggers. Um, I've seen Stephen Kennard just run by folks. I've seen Stephen Kennard run over folks. You talk about running angry when he gets the ball he he feels like he's supposed to end every play in the end zone and he absolutely should be he is as physical a receiver with the ball in his hands as any high school kid i've seen in a long time and he had five catches friday night for 42 yards 42 yards yeah but it just never – it felt like the offense never got anything going. They, mm-hmm. you know, under 200 total yards. Well, And, again, besides the one touchdown drive to start the game, the only other thing they got was a field goal by um, Max Patton as time expired right before halftime. And, and they had a timing issue. There was a ball – there was a play on the far side of the field that everybody thought the runner went out of bounds – with about 10 seconds left. Apparently, he was ruled inbounds, and so they wound the clock, and they wound up losing about six seconds before calling the timeout and, and kicking the field goal. And 
it, it was it was a tough situation because, like I said, everybody I think everybody in the place thought that the central ball carrier had gotten out of bounds and was expecting you know to snap it with ten seconds left, and then they wound the clock, and it's like, what in the world? So you know that was a potential touchdown drive there to go up, you know, or to tie the game at that point at at fourteen at or even go ahead thirteen because 13 it was thirteen. 14, 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um little bit of a swing there but um but halftime is where this is this this has always been the way that i have been taught is halftime is where you make your money as a as a football coach Mm -hmm. this is where you make the right adjustments and the fact is that jason hoth was out coached at halftime page comes out they score they score uh with a 75 yard pass now that being said, it's a 75-yard pass. It's a big play. Yeah. But you can't you can't go scoreless in the second half. Of a, of a, in a must-win situation. In a must-win situation when you have Christian Biggers in the backfield. Christian Biggers, who's finished with 90 yards on 17 carries, didn't get a touch in the third period. I don't know if he was injured or what the situation was, but you know, didn't get a touch in the third. And in the fourth, when you're trying to come back, so they only had 71 yards total in the second qu- mm-hmm. in the second half. Yeah, what? I mean, you were there. What was the difference? Were they trying to? Uh, <laughs> you put me on the spot there. I mean, what? Yeah, but I, I just I I just don't think they really had a whole lot of cohesiveness offensively. I mean, the, what they were running, it was almost like Paige knew it was coming. And and they were defending it, and they they just couldn't get any kind of rhythm going. And I'm not sure if that was Page defense. I'm not sure if that was a lack of execution offensively on Central's part. But but Page seemed to have a feel for what was going on with Central's offense, and snuffed out anything that they got going. And again, that's a tough situation as. Columbia now finds itself 1-3 in Region 5-5A. They are tied currently with Lincoln County, Page, and Franklin County, all with one win. The difference is that Lincoln County, Page, and Franklin County all have two games remaining, while Central has just one. It's against Shelbyville. Lincoln County takes on Page and Summit. Page obviously has Lincoln County and Franklin County, and then Franklin County has Shelbyville and Page. You have to expect that Lincoln County is going to lose to Summit and Franklin County will lose to Shelbyville. Wait a minute. It's a Shelbyville game. Oh, that's right. Franklin County gets the win. Uh, Yeah, because Shelbyville's on quarantine. That's essentially the nail in the coffin for Columbia because Franklin County now has two region wins. And either Lincoln County or Page will have two wins. I guess what you have to hope now I mean at this point that may have been an elimination game. Hmm. Well, the loss may have been an elimination game. I don't know that the win would have secured anything, but but the loss combined like you said with the COVID win that Franklin County is going to get over Shelbyville on Friday night may have may have done it. I think it did. I think Columbia is out. 
just because of the three-way tie issue, even though Columbia, if they were to beat Shelbyville, they would have five wins. Page could end up with five wins. Lincoln County can't end up with five wins if they lose to Summit. So I don't know. It's 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 still a mess. Yeah. It's still a mess. You know, it's tough getting into what ifs and that kind of thing. I don't do a very good job with abstract, but I know that Columbia Central is not in a good place in terms of potential postseason play right now. And with Shelbyville looming at the end of the season, just in terms of their own, you know, taking care of their own business, they're not in a good spot. And I don't know where the help comes from. At this point, you have to hope Paige wins out. Page has to win out. If Page wins out, they would be the three. You would end up, Columbia would be in a three-way tie with Lincoln County and Franklin County because... And of, all three of them are going to be one and one against each other then in that scenario. But Col- if Columbia beats Shovel, they will have five, five wins, wins and they would be the four seed. There you go. That's how Columbia gets in. They still have They still have a chance. But they, they have, have to, to beat, beat Shelbyville and Page has to win out, win out against who and who? Lincoln County and Franklin County. Very winnable games for Paige. The way they played the other night, they are. So, there you go. That is your Region 5-5A. That's the only way Columbia has a chance to get in the playoffs. So, if you are a Lions fan, you are a a Patriots Patriots fan. fan. (laughs) There you go. All right, when we come back, we've got several more games to talk about. We're going to um, talk about, of course, the local game between Zion Christian and Mount Pleasant. Also had several others, Eagleville, Summertown, Cornersville, Richland, and Independence, Dixon County. We'll talk about all those and more when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Again, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Talking about high school football from over the weekend. Lots of what-ifs and playoff scenarios being discussed around the coverage area, including Region 5, 5A, but Region 5, 1A is also a mess, <laughs> depending on what happens throughout the rest of this season um on on friday cornersville took care of richland 30 to 13 i i I picked richland in this game because i thought maybe you know they 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 had a little bit of momentum from that second half of the spring hill game out out outscoring spring hill and 
it really didn't carry over to the first half as, again, they go scoreless in the first half. Now, that being said, they're down 15 nothing at halftime. They come out, score twice, it's 15-13. We've got a ball game. Right. And from there, it was all corners full. Yeah, and I think, I think what you saw was the number nine team in the state doing what you expect the number nine team in the state to do ultimately. Sure, I, I, I definitely think that has a lot to do with you know their their run game is just phenomenal. They've got a lot of big kids up front, and it's hard to consistently stop that run game when they're just beating on you all night long, and, and they're just so strong and big. Yeah, and but past that, I think that you know Richland is definitely on the come up. Um, I think Nick Patterson's done a fantastic job down there in a short period of time. But I think that from a mental standpoint, I'm just not sure that Richland the, – the only way Richland can win a game like that is to win a game like that. Uh, right. I, I just, they got to learn how. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the flip side, I think Cornersville has been in that situation on numerous occasions over the past three or four years now. And you're talking about a team that's only a year removed from back-to-back state championship game appearances. Right. And there's still some carryover to that. Cornersville was where Richland is right now, I think. And they've got that confidence. They've been in those close and late situations and that kind of thing. And and I think Richland is hoping to pull off the win in those situations where Cornersville is figuring, you know, we're going to do it. It's just a matter of how. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely uh, a fair assessment. I'm just I'm curious what the struggle is coming out of the gate for Richland. And if if it's I'm just not sure what it is. What I can say is that Nick Patterson's making his money at halftime <laughs> because two weeks in a row now he has he's come out and he's made adjustments at halftime and his team has scored twice in the third quarter. It's happening in the same exact way the last two weeks now he's not happy about that he wants his team to come out you know to a well, he'd, fast start. yeah he'd, he'd rather be ahead at the half he, than, than chasing sure yeah but you know a good job by cornersville they uh they sit now at two and two and they're they're number three but they had in the region but they have huntland left so huntland and, and cornersville will play um this week they will play in week 10 but Richland still has Huntland left. So a Huntland win over Cornersville and a Richland win over Huntland and a Mount Pleasant win over Moore County because Richland also plays Moore County. So if Richland was to win out, Mount Pleasant could help Richland get into that three spot. And if Cornersville was to lose to Huntland and you're sitting there and all three of them are two and three, Because Moore County, Cornersville, Huntland, and Richland would all be two and three, which means somebody gets left out after Fayetteville. That's a tough situation. A potential four-way tie. For three spots? For three spots. Wow. That's, um... (laughs) And, and... Week 11, Mount Pleasant, Moore County could be really fun, considering what what happens otherwise. 
it, that that just is so 2020. It is. A yeah. four-way tie for second. <laughs> oh, man. Like Fable, said, by the way, lost over the weekend to Gordonsville in non-region non play. Well, that's a, that's a tough loss for them. But you know what, though? If you're going to lose, you'd rather lose out of out of region, and it gives – you know, that coaching staff down there, a chance to get guys refocused and that kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. of course, the Tigers are telling – their coaches are telling their players, you're, you're not as good as you thought you were, you know. But it yeah. didn't cost them anything. Yeah, one so. and two in non-region play this year is Fayetteville. Uh, yeah, but I think um, – Which is odd considering that they're 5-0 and in probably the toughest region in – this side of the 1A bracket anyway. But I think that other loss was to Marion County. Yeah. I mean, it, so. I'm not saying that it was bad. I'm just saying that they're 1 and 2 out of region, which is yeah, and being 5 and 0 oh in region against probably yeah. the toughest region in this side of the Well, bracket. and they went they went and scheduled tough out of on region. Per- on yeah, purpose. So. And that's that's how you get that's how you get to state championship games. Sure. By putting your kids in tough situations in situations that don't necessarily cost you anything you know if you if you if you win the state championship and you're 12 and 3 you'll take that hey no question no question speaking of mount pleasant they held their 50th homecoming on friday night and the zion christian eagles spoiled the evening they did. They spoiled homecoming. They spoiled senior night, and they um, spoiled a potential winning streak for the Tigers, all in one fell swoop. Big night for the Eagles, as man Luke Perko continues to impress with his legs and his arm. Uh, Sam Sullivan did play, and if you listened to our show on Friday or to JP's show. The reason I picked Mount Pleasant over Zion is I was under the impression Sam Sullivan would not be playing. You were given the impression that Sam Sullivan would not be playing because of a hamstring issue, I think. Was it? Pink eye. Pink eye, that's right. Yeah, I remember now. Okay, well, saw it well enough, I guess. He saw something because he had three catches for 42 yards, and he was – so here's the thing is Sullivan does a lot more than just – play receiver and defensive back he, he's also their punter and that's a big deal and he's their return guy and he's their return guy so you know it, the punting issue was what i was expecting because you got 19 kids if you're missing your punter you probably don't have any you, you're probably just putting perco back there and quit kicking or something mm-hmm. i mean who knows so yeah. i thought the special teams would be the difference in the ball game. Turns out the special teams was a difference in the ball game, but it was for the other team. It was for Zion as they recovered two onside kicks, one of which wasn't even called. <laughs> the first one they recovered was not a called onside kick, supposedly, from what we understand. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the scene from The Longest Yard. Brucey go in and kick. <laughs> Why is Brucey kicking? He can't kick. I know. That's the point. The ball. Yeah. Go get the ball. Yeah. So and it worked. So again, uh, catching onside kick and still possession and thought and that one wasn't even called. So they said, "Heck, let's try it again." That's, and it worked well, again. Worked, worked the first time. <laughs> Do it till they stop it. There you go. 
Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that, that could be. And that's got to be really frustrating when you're the offense on the sideline expecting to go out, and it's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that's got to be tough. You're right. Uh, Mount Pleasant had a hundred, had 131 yards rushing on 33 carries, which means that defense from Zion was 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 pretty tough. They they got up. So Zion gets up. Um, twenty to six at halftime. Mount Pleasant comes back and scores twice in the third quarter. And then Zion. One of those pretty dying quickly. Yeah. Um, a minute in. David Xavier Davidson, who had a great game, as has been the norm lately, mm-hmm. 88 yards rushing. He scores on a 15-yard run. Then he scores again on a one-yard run five five minutes later. In the fourth quarter, Perko comes back. He scores on a run. Keevan Cooper answers for Mount Pleasant. And then with a minute 26 to go, Zion Christian gets a one-yard run from Luke Perko. And that's the difference, 34-27. Such an incredible football game. And I know the atmosphere over at Mount Pleasant had to be just electric. Oh, without question. Um, again, as as we talked to Bronson Bradley last week on the show, you know, those two schools, those two fan bases so close to each other, interact with each other on a regular basis, that kind of thing. And so, you know, it was um, a lot of um, – excitement a lot of electricity as you said and with everything that mount pleasant had going on had to be a tough loss for the home team when it was all over but especially a goal line stand to to end the game yeah but um again great atmosphere great football game hats off to the eagles no question hats off to the eagles um luke perko again man that that kid has been fantastic all year long just can't say enough about his his quarterback play, but not just that. Just the leadership that he gives that team on both offense and defense is you know, and, superb. And, again, to consider the fact that he's a first-year starter at quarterback. Exactly. To do, to do what he's done. He's thrown for upwards of 1,100 yards. He's rushed for 600-plus, and um, – Still got another year back there. I, you know, that's the thing is this Zion Christian team. It kind of makes you go, "What if?" I don't think I don't necessarily think that Zion. I, I think Zion could play for a playoff spot in that Division Two Class A region. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question that they can play with with those schools. And it just makes you go, man, what if they were trying? Yeah, it, it's tough. But but until they get their numbers up, you know, having to play that kind of competition week in and week out might be a little tough for them. But as it is, you know, a Mount Pleasant game is a playoff-type game for them because they don't have the playoffs out there. And right. so, you know, to get this kind of performance in, against – a quality opponent like that is is a pretty big deal for them. Absolutely. Great job by Zion Christian and that coaching staff, Brad Lowry. He's done a great job this year overall. Um, just a, a really a really good season for them, and it culminates in the next couple of weeks. And I think they have to look forward to next year. Now, I don't know if they're going to continue to play non-playoff 
schedule. Um, but I, I'll be curious to see. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to watch how they go about that. Um, got a new athletic director over there, Derek Boyd, former Mount Pleasant boys basketball coach. You know, and um, I think they want to be competitive across the board, and and so they'll have some decisions to make with this two-year classification period coming up. And for two years, they may decide, hey, we can give it a shot, see what happens. If it doesn't work, we can pull back out for, you know, 23-24. So sure. I think that'll be worth keeping an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, just want to – it's hard to talk much about this la- this particular game because, well, <laughs> Independence just absolutely rolled on Friday night. They continue to roll. Uh, really excited about talking about this game tomorrow when we bring on Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald because it sets up <laughs> a massive Region 6-6A tilt between Independence and Brentwood. Independence gets a 56 to nothing win over Dixon County. Friday night, uh, 49 points in the first half. Just an absolute dominant performance by the entire Independence team, uh, including Trey Hartwell, Jackson Campbell, just tossing the ball around. Calvin Wilson, Tyler Condra caught touchdown passes. Uh, not much you can say about this this particular game other than independence look like independence is supposed to look. Well, I think this was a good game for independence coming out of a COVID pause and fall yep. break. You know, for them to get some guys in, knock some rust off, that kind of thing, against an undermanned Dixon County team. And, you know, they did it on both sides of the ball. Dixon County held to negative yardage rushing <laughs> yeah, for the game one yards yeah um indy's defense scored twice once on an interception and once on a fumble return and so with brentwood coming up i'm not sure they could have asked for a better situation on this friday night again they were able able to work some stuff out work some stuff through um and just get used to being back on the field again. Well, they're used to it now, and it sets up the big one between mm-hmm. Brentwood and Indy next Friday night. That's going to be a blast. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Chip Walters, as we do every Monday. Uh, he will probably be in a sore mood after that drubbing they took over at North Texas on Saturday. Understandably. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, Chip Walters will be on the next segment, and then we'll we will continue high school football coverage on the other side of Chip. So make sure you stay tuned in the second hour. It is the top of the hour, top of the hour here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint.
The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by The Rock Place, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries. Their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back in once again to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Just past the top of the hour here, 10 o'clock in Columbia, Tennessee. 101.7 FM, WKOM. The studio here on West 7th in Columbia is nice and cool inside. It's nice and cool outside, too. Uh, I'll tell you, the weather is beginning to look a lot like fall and i am excited about it i i, I know mo mo hates being cold but mo hates being cold that's okay <laughs> I, I, yeah we found that out friday night oh we stop it yeah <laughs> all i heard was complaining yeah, and it's okay you can complain it's all good well i mean i didn't like leave or anything you know that so. was nice of you <laughs> you you hung out yeah. I hung out. Hung in there. I, I even talked to you from you while did. you were sitting here, toasty and in warm. the nice truck. Right. Listen, as I drove by, yeah, because I drove by. Obviously, uh, I look inside and I'm just like, you know what? I should just go in there and be angry at them for being nice and toasty all night. Here, fill my hands, JP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just come in and put your cold hands on him in and the middle done. of his broadcast. Be yeah, done. yeah. For what it's worth, a couple of times I did walk outside on the porch just to try to relate a little bit to what you guys were dealing with. (laughs) Just a tad. (laughs) Just a tad. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm going back in. Mm -hmm. It felt nice out there. You know, the temperature was really nice on Saturday over in Murfreesboro. What was not nice was the outcome as North Texas came into Floyd Stadium and put a hurting on middle tennessee and the worst part is mtsu got up big so we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we bring in chip walters and chip is brought to you by the law offices of blake kelly yes blake kelly specializing in accident and injury law you can um check out his page on either facebook or instagram or you can give him a call at 615-305 Four five three nine. That's Blake Kelly. Chip Walters joins us as he does every Monday. Chip, welcome in. How you doing, fellas? We are we Sad. are hanging we are hanging in there on a Monday morning, Chip. It's been as as Chris has said, a roller coaster weekend. Um, a lot of ups and downs. There, yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of wound licking going on. Uh, a lot of wounds. Uh, <laughs> a lot of yeah, wounds. On, on a lot of wounds, and uh, the, uh, I mean, the, I guess the real, the bright spot locally was the Titans finish uh, yesterday. But uh, 
Yeah, it was uh, Saturday. Was 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 it was a it was a roller coaster. You're right. Uh, that that football game was. Yeah, it, Saturday was a bad day in Black Rock. I mean, between Middle's loss and UT's loss and whatever Georgia fans there are in the area, it was just a tough day all the way around. But you know, Chip, as I look at this um, 52-35 MTSU loss to to North Texas, I think the biggest thing that jumps out at me is. Middle puts up 432 total yards and 35 points. Is it fair to think that that's enough to win? Well, I mean, I I, I know exactly what you're saying. I just, I did some quick calculations and right before we went on and and was just looking just to make sure that I was right in my own head. Okay, that's you know that was 87 total points in the game. Then I added up the the two teams total offense and it was exactly 1200 yards exactly 1200 yards uh and uh so you know in that game turned on a dime it was interesting that they started uh the quarterback austin awney who had been uh putting up huge number they, they were putting up over 500 yards a game coming into the game at middle north texas was Austin Oni, their quarterback, starting quarterback, was a 27-year-old redshirt freshman, who um, uh, and he played six years in the Yankees organization. Had originally signed with TCU, uh, and then also after he got through playing ball, went to Arkansas, but left there immediately and went to North Texas, and and we you know expected to see him. And then they brought in Jason Bean. When after Middle had forced three turnovers and had a two touchdown lead, and Middle had two two touchdown leads in that game, and saw North Texas make a change, and 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 saw North Texas score thirty five straight uh, after Middle was up twenty eight to fourteen, and uh, and really just gashing with huge plays, and Bean was a runner that you know much. They had, you know, defensively there there had been on that, but you know, you knew it was going to be a big game for Jalen Darden, who's the best receiver in the league right now. He may be the best receiver uh, in the country. Yeah, he's he's well. In in as far as receptions, he is number one. Interestingly, going into that game, he and Jaron Pierce from Middle were tied for number one in the country in receptions. But I mean, Darden is a complete package at at wide out, and and then you had a great you know, uh, reception that Pierce made for a touchdown in the end zone and got a toe down. And, and, and both of those are really, really skilled guys, but you know, North Texas at the skill positions, they were loaded. They had three backs that they could count on. Uh, Shaitan Mobley did. Yeah. He got going and, and, and really he, you know, he had 150 yards rushing, which is, uh, it's a very unusual for middle to lose when you have a back that rushes for a hundred yards. But I mean, the, the chunk plays that, that uh, North Texas had, you know, were just, uh, I mean, very eye popping and, and disturbing. It's got to be a little disheartening for a defense to, to get the starting quarterback out of the game. And they come off the bench with a guy who runs and throws for 350 total yards. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure when the conference awards come out here and 
the next hour or so, he's probably going to be Conference USA Player of the Week on offense. Because well, you think. Was, he <laughs> was, yeah, if he's not, somebody else had a really good game. But, uh, but yeah, that it is. And, you know, part of that, you know, I, I, I understand parts of it in that as you prepare all week, you expect that you're going to be facing – a guy who is basically a statue back there and tries to throw darts, and that was Ani, and then all of a sudden you get you get this thrown at you. And it's not that you haven't seen a running quarterback before; you see it you see it in practice. But he is the other thing about Bean is not only was he a running quarterback, he may have been the fastest guy on the field. I mean, huge long strides, and 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 he was you know getting separation from people and and that kind of he wasn't having to make moves to and spin moves and hurdling and stuff like that i mean he was just blowing by people and very impressive uh and, and he's a young guy too and so i mean they've got some firepower there and the other thing about north texas too and to give them credit this was the first game that they had played that they had not had major COVID issues on their football team. And they were they were at full strength and and, uh, and and had their line they had lost linebackers for a couple of weeks and were playing H backs and wide receivers at linebacker and stuff like that. But they had their actual linebackers in the lineup uh, and and defensively they did a good job and uh, you know, kept middle in check enough to let their offense get going, and that's what Seth Luttrell's background is: is he's an offensive guy, and uh, and, uh, and and he's he's got some talent there. Eight tackles for loss and five sacks in that game for the North Texas defense. That just goes to show how how important you know being able to establish dominance up front can be. So yeah, you're right. It, it's that's tough. It's funny how it all goes back to blocking and tackling. Doesn't it, it? it every time it never fails. This this game's real simple. It's not a t- it's not a difficult thing. If you block, tackle, and and take care of the football, you can usually win. That's that's absolutely correct. Speaking again with Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders, uh, sponsored by the law office, law office of Blake Kelly. Chip, as I look at the schedule here, 35 points. That's a season high. It's the second time MTSU has scored 35 points, and they are 0-2 in those two games. Well, it's true. And uh, and, and they've scored 30-plus three times, and you now have it. Well, they've scored 30-plus in three of the last four uh, and you, I mean, you lose a two-point game at UTSA. You get a three-point win uh, at FIU, and then and then the loss to North Texas. So the offense is starting to get going. They, you know, they found something in the running game with Mobley, and were able to to use that. Uh, but but right now, you know, you're you're giving up a ton of points, and and so you know, Scott Schaefer hadn't forgot how to coach football, and. And, and you know they felt good about their their package going into last week, but of course it was mostly geared toward you know throwing the you know a, a guy who was just going to throw it all day. So you know uh, this week you got you have the, a mysterious challenge because Rice has not played a game yet. This is scheduled to be their first game. They've everything else on their schedule has been. I mean they put it out there well before the opening game but 
they uh, the, everything has either either been postponed or canceled, and they are starting their season this week. So you're not real sure, you know, who's there, who's not there. And because of Rice doing that, Conference USA pushed their championship game back a week. Is is that right? It's now the 18th. Well, I'm not sure it's because I'm not sure it's because of Rice doing that. I think that was uh, it, it could have been for. My guess is it may be to accommodate television schedules gotcha. because of you Friday. have all these other other conferences that are playing. Normally, regular season games are ending on the on Thanksgiving weekend, and your conference championship games are that first weekend in December. Well, now they're pushing most every conference championship game is being pushed back because the SEC, the Big Ten. Uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, other conferences are playing on into December by a week or two, including uh, – and there'll be, there are already some games in Conference USA scheduled for that first weekend of December as far as makeups that have been right. postponed, and, and I think that's all part of that. I just wasn't I – was, I wasn't sure if, if yeah. they were trying to give Rice enough time to have a enough conference games to be in a – a championship hunt i don't know if that's even possible i think you know what the way they had talked about it you know and, and put it out there to start uh, when they announced that they were going to you know conference usa you you were allowed to you, you were going to play your eight game schedule and play as many non-conference games as you wanted to that it basically they said you know if we're not going to hold things up on one team or two teams and and so the conference this year, you know, if you're seven and one, uh, you know, great. But if somebody else in your division loses a game but ends up seven and zero, oh, seven and zero oh is going to win it instead of seven and one, or mm. or six and zero oh would win it over seven and one because they're going to winning percentage. It because they know that everybody might not play the same number of conference games. Chip, shifting gears, um, starting to see some basketball news come out of the glass house. A um, couple of eligibility decisions came down here recently for a couple of guys. Yep, and uh, I mean, and and uh, this is will be the a year where you need to buy a program uh, on the men's side in particular. There, there's going to be nine new faces on uh, Coach McDevitt's roster. Um, are they are they wearing name tags in practice? <laughs> put put uh, on a piece of uh, athletic tape across their forehead. Like my my football. name is yeah yeah and but I mean you got Jordan Davis uh, who sat out last year transfer from from Dayton uh, DeAndre Dishman who is gaining an extra year back uh, he will still have two years to play he was an Eastern Kentucky transfer. Blew out a knee last year on a, the Costa Rica trip. Uh, also new uh, Jalen Jordan, who's a transfer from St. Francis. You get freshman Christian Fussell, who's a 6'10 player out of uh, Atlanta. Brian Coffey, who transferred from North Florida. Um, uh, Elias King, who's the Mississippi State transfer. Jared Coleman-Jones from Northwestern. And then Dontrell Schuler, point guard from Charleston Southern, also Marcus Mitchell, who uh, was a Mississippi Valley transfer. All of those guys are new faces that have not 
played uh, a college game in Murfreesboro yet. Some of them had, were here a year ago and sat out. Others transferred this year and were given, granted, uh, immediate eligibility. But uh, on Thursday at noon, just as a reminder, uh, we're having a, 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 a Zoom webinar with uh, and, and talking. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the coaches are going to be on there. We'll do something with them very soon. But, but Chris Massaro and ticket managers, uh, James Kentfield, they're going to be talking about how the, what the plan is for fans and how Murphy Center is going to be set up for basketball, which uh, will tip off November 25th. Uh, that's a, the, the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, the men will be in Fort Myers at a tournament, but the, the ladies will be at home to take on Louisville on that, that Wednesday night. So uh, it, it's creeping up on us uh, just over a month now away from, from, from getting things going. We got to swing back for a second to Marcus Mitchell, Chip, because you shocked me with that name, and here's why. Um, Marcus Mitchell played at Columbia State as a freshman back during the 2017-2018 season, and he's a really fascinating story. He's from Germantown, started right. his career collegiately as a football player. He played quarterback over at Southern Arkansas in D2 before he transferred over to C State, played a year there, went to Mississippi Valley, like you said, and I didn't realize he was redshirting with you all last year. Yep, and he's I mean he he looks the part, six seven, two thirty five. He absolutely uh, looks the part. Yeah. yeah. He's very and, athletic. He's gonna be fun to watch. I'm 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 glad to hear he's over there. Yep. So I mean uh, Nick has a team that he really likes and uh, and 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 it you know it should be a major change hopefully in fortunes uh over over last year and then on the women's side i mean coach Hetzel's been around a long time and when he tells you that he has the most talented group of players that he's ever had on a team you kind of you kind of take notice of that <laughs> yeah you do because he didn't say that very often that's correct that's correct and and uh we had a couple of had one of his most talented that was in on friday uh we are the Hall of Fame uh, this year is, is a virtual ceremony, and uh, it's going to be put together in a television package show that's going to it's going to air on November fifth. But uh, Alicia Clark was in on Friday and had a chance to see her and talk to her. I mean, she talked about what a pretty good month for her. Got her second <laughs> WNBA championship and inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, all, all in one month, so not bad. Not bad at all for Alicia. Congratulations to the former Mount Juliet standout over there. Um, yes. Again, um, let's let's dive into this women's team real quick. As you say, um, with Rick calling that the most talented team he's had, just running through that roster, I see um, a, a heavy dose of, of Murfreesboro talent. Well, you – Yep, you have you have the Hayes sisters, uh, Aislinn Hayes and Anastasia Hayes, uh, both from Riverdale. Uh, you've got uh, the Whittington sisters, both from from Riverdale, uh, and, and and I'll tell you, there's there's you've got some of these new new kids that I've I've seen them. I haven't really learned all their names yet. Rella Booth is a six three post player who. You know, the fans have been waiting on her to to really come on and 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 be a terrific player. Courtney Whitson, six foot player out of Dobbins Bennett, 
Uh, one that I really like, I've seen her a couple times, is uh, is uh, 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 Kizzy Kozlova, who played at Montverde Academy in Florida. She is from Russia. She is 6'4 and is a red shirt. Uh, no, she is a true freshman uh, and, and really has a huge upside. He's, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of size. This is the biggest team he's had. He's got a young lady from uh, Canada, Jada Granham. She is six three. Rashika White six four. Uh, Annabelle Latore from uh, Spain. She is six foot three. Also true freshman. So this is going to be a a different looking team for Rick Ensel. I'm I'm fascinated by the international influx. It, and and I'm and I'm and I'm sure that his son Matt has had a big part in uh, in that uh, in that international recruiting, but it's going it is going to be a different look for him. And I guess that you know that may be where they had to go because they've been wanting to get bigger for several years, and and they found those opportunities uh, across the pond. Well, it's certainly interesting. Um, Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders, visiting with us, sponsored by the law office of Blake Kelly, specializing in accident and injury law. You can find Blake on either Facebook or on Instagram, or you can give him a call at 615-405, I'm sorry, 305-4539. Chip, thanks for visiting with us, and um, we will catch up with you again next Monday following a Rice win. Let's let's that just would be put, nice. let's just put that out there. <laughs> That'll be fine with me. Okay, sounds good. When we <laughs> thank come, you guys. Thank you, Chip. Hey, when we come back, we are going to get back into some high school football coverage. Talk a little bit about the Eagleville Summertown matchup in Region Five Two A and how that outcome impacts potential postseason play for both those teams and the others in that league. Stay with us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is Monday, October 19th. 1027 in the morning and we have one more high school football game to talk about and recap from the weekend on Friday night the Summertown Eagles coming off of a COVID I guess layoff 
and mm-hmm. one day of practice did the Eagles have, but it didn't seem to phase them as they scored twice in the second quarter um, to go up 14-6 at halftime, give up a touchdown in the third quarter uh, with 4.23 to go, but they still lead 14-12 due to one missed extra or uh, I'm sorry, two two point conversions that failed and had every chance to win the game. Should have won the game. But with a minute eleven to go, Summertown fumbles, Eagleville scoops, takes it to the house. Mo he sounds like a scorned uh, prognosticator, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. I'm I'm angry. Got quote misled on the Zion Christian, got used and abused in that pick. I did get used and abused because <laughs> on Thursday when we are on, I guess Wednesday when we were talking about it out mm. there, and Clayton asked me, he said, "Who are you picking in the Mount Pleasant Zion game?" I said, "Zion." And then I come in here Thursday yeah. morning. Hey, hey, study long, study wrong. Trust yourself. I yep. guess you pick with your gut, folks. I yep. picked Summertown with my gut and should have won. <laughs> Ball security. Man, I mean, that's, that, that's that, a tough loss. That's that is a tough loss. That's a tough way to lose a ball game. And and Leslie Moat took it particularly hard, um, telling um telling our kind of shot on sm tnsportscom um that um they didn't manage the clock very well down the stretch, and he should have taken a knee there instead of handing the ball off. And you know, you can pick apart. Four-point losses until you're blue in the face. Um, it, sometimes it's easier to get blown out than to lose late in that fashion. But um, like you said, they only have one day of practice, and, and credit them for for even being in a position to win that ball game in the waning moments. Uh, just just had a lapse, and Eagleville took advantage of it. Yeah, they did, and that ends their playoff hopes. Summertown is now eliminated mathematically from making the playoffs, which means their final region game against Community uh, will be for last place, or to not finish in last place in that region. I look for the Eagles to take out a lot of frustration in that ball game. Uh, I think you're right. And this is a team that, I mean, unfortunately, you know, had every opportunity to to be a player in this region and, absolutely and just couldn't get it all together at the same time well they got off to that three and zero start um starting with the um the 13 12 win over mount pleasant got off three and zero, ranked in the ap top 10 ran into that dca lewis county loretto stretch right there and um an improved loretto team um, kind of took some of the wind out of their sails a little bit. Before that community game, though, this Friday night they've yeah. got Lawrence County coming north. And, you know, you talk about some frustration. They know they're not going to the playoffs at this point. These last two games are for pride and you've pride already only. Lo- you've already lost to Loretto in county, hey, so yeah. um, this is a game that you want to win. This is, this is going to be a fun matchup because – Lawrence County is getting ready for Spring Hill in the season finale that's got some playoff implications. 
Summertown, these next two games are their playoffs because they're done. This is going to be fun. A little backstory in this. You know, Summertown, obviously fairly new in the football program. Mm-hmm. The first couple of years, they, they played, played their, their home games, games at Lawrence County. At Lawrence County. Uh, really, I think it was just the first year. And the first game that they played, they hung a banner on the press box where it says Wildcats Country or something like that. They hung a banner that completely covered that that said Eagles Country or something of that nature. The student sections uh, kind of went back and forth on social media. So this has been brewing for multiple years because this is the first time that they're playing in a regular season game. Now, did, is it? So they did didn't they play, play last year? They did play last year, okay. correct. First right. time at Summertown, though. Okay. So this has been brewing uh, for, for a while. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, that a little – a little. now, did Summertown kids, did they have a co-op is, uh, co-op? agreement with Lawrenceburg like if they wanted to play football could they go to Lawrence County and play or, I don't or, think there was any official co-op now oh really so you if you lived in Summertown and you wanted to play football you, you had to go to transfer yeah wow I think okay. that was yeah okay all right well yeah so um you know you know with those in-county rivalries there's always a little little intrigue a little backstory that kind of thing but but hanging a banner off the press box. That's um. Well, I mean, it, that night it's your home field, then I guess do what you want to do. But that's <laughs> tough. <laughs> that is tough. Well, and and of course that was you know their first home game ever. They they packed the stands that night. Oh yeah, I'm the, sure. the entire community was there, and of course they made comments that look, Summertown fills the stands more than Lawrence County oh, does. Yeah, that's you, you can't. So. <laughs> no nuance involved either. <laughs> no, no. You know, as as you look at this ball game, you know, Summertown did everything really, but, win. but win the game. It's it, it's a brutal way to lose, especially when you dominate the way that they did against this Eagleville team. Uh-oh. Delk, Delk has – so Delk Kennedy in the studio right now, and he certainly has – And he has, has pulled the mic up, so – He certainly has some – he, he, Apparently it's, he's got something to say. And, it's going to be yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good morning, fellas. What a great show this is. I mean, between this and TriStar Sports, we have got hands down the best sports coverage in Middle Tennessee, period. And, I, and I'm not the only one saying that. Uh, that that's the truth. Thank and you. You're to, the only one that matters, Delk. <laughs> well, thank no, you to Delk and it, our parents. It, it matters what our listeners yes, think. Right. It matters what our <laughs> listeners think, and and we're getting that feedback from them. And uh, so, as far as I'm concerned, yet yeah, thank you and proud to be there. Um, but I just couldn't, you know, it that didn't take long. UT fired their defensive coach uh, today. I just wonder what yeah. y'all's take on that was. Man, I'll tell you, it's. Uh, Jimmy Brumball is a great dude, and I'm really upset because I don't know how it how it impacts this team. But uh, you don't you don't think that's the problem? I, I no. Um, <laughs> they gave up 20 points on defense, and that's that's enough to win. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they gave up 20 points on defense. That's enough to win the ball game. You should win the ball game. Uh, and. To do what they did offensively and have Ty Chandler and Eric Gray in the in the backfield and you trot number two out there like nothing's changed or nothing's gone wrong despite the fact that he's thrown two pick sixes, it's just a problem. I mean, the problem is not their defense. And to, to fire Jimmy Brumball is an, 
it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Now I'm a I'm a Jeremy Pruitt stan and uh, or f- fan. <laughs> if you're older and you don't know what stan means, it means I am a supporter of Jeremy Pruitt. That being said, this was an absolutely this was a, this was call. this was a rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic kind of thing. Now, <laughs> yeah. now yeah. I mean, I, I'm well, not. You know, I don't necessarily want to call UT football the Titanic, but but this is a non sequitur to whatever the issue <laughs> right. is. As, as a Vanderbilt man, they're starting to look a whole lot like uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, you just know. the just the, the the way that the program is being run, absolutely, it doesn't make any sense. Like where what's What's what the does goal? getting rid of Jimmy Brumball accomplish? Yeah. yeah, and you know, UT, and again, you know, I I went to Vandy. My wife went to Vandy. But you know, Lord, everybody, my wife's family and mine went to Vanderbilt. And his daddy used to say, "You can hang around some places too long, like pool halls." And and that's what I told my son. I said, you know, he was he had accepted at Vanderbilt. I said, "Go on, get out of here." And he had been admitted at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I went over there and had an amazing experience. That's a great school, and, and sports over there is really <laughs> – They did not have yeah. a good experience on Saturday. They though. did not. No, no, but sports over there is fun. And uh, he even, who was that coach as he retired? Their basketball coach, uh, Sam did an interview with him that's on video out there somewhere. Who, who was Dean that? Smith. Dean yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that that was amazing. But uh, UT, you know, bless their hearts. I mean, they they have a history bless of their hearts. Sending, yes, yes, sending, yes. Bless spoken their like hearts. a Vanderbilt fan. Yeah, yeah Vanderbilt well, fan. they have a history of sending the moving van to the coach's house. You know, and after a while, it's maybe sort of hard to get another coach. You know. <sighs> yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. But I'll tell you, you know, again, this is Delk. Let me ask you because Delk, you are. We were talking about the Summertown Lawrence County game as. As you came in, and I'm curious, your experience down in Lawrence County certainly gives you a little insight to this rivalry. What what do folks in Lawrenceburg think about the the Summertown football program? You know, I, I, I'm not plugged into that, but I know people I can call. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Joe Baxter down there, who's the uh, publisher or leader i'm not sure exactly what his title is ceo of the, of the lawrence county advocate which which uh, my sister and i own uh could sure tell us all about it i Man. i can see that's a natural rivalry uh yeah i'm just i'm just curious how this one's gonna play out because I'm, I'm i'm excited to, to like you said on friday i'm excited to see this one it's gonna be a lot of fun well, here, but let's let's see if jp can get joe on the line here <laughs> jp jp can do anything he's the the best producer in the in the land uh, or at least in columbia Right now, we'll on take the, the land. On but the Columbia's air. good. It's a good start. <laughs> he's he's the best producer. Watch, watch, on watch air. out that reverse on uh, the reverse on uh, backing up. So yeah, and <laughs> look out, Uncle James. She's a backing up. <laughs> oh man, it's a uh, you know, Summertown being three and four, but zero oh and three in that region. Just it, it it's mind boggling to me because it, it, we sit here and we think. You know, this team ought to be in the playoffs, and it's it's just frustrating because, you know, Loretto is a game they probably should have won. They definitely should have won this game on Friday. Uh, you know, Joe's going to come on and tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the experience of, uh, you know, I guess what, what it's like to be in Lawrenceburg in Summertown during this rivalry so i think we've 
got Joe. Joe, you on? Mr. Baxter, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Joe. Maurice Patton and Chris Yao with Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Um, Delk suggested that we give you a call as we were talking a little bit about um, this past weekend's Eagleville Summertown game in Region 5-2A, and more specifically, this game coming up Friday night between Summertown and Lawrence County. As J.P. Plant told us, this will be the first time Lawrence County has played at Summertown in football. Um, I know it's early in the week, but what is the buzz like, or what do you expect it to be like leading up to that ball game Friday night? Well, I think there's excitement over the, the historic part of this. Uh, as you said, Lawrence County has never played a football game up there, and uh, Summertown has uh, really done a great job in establishing a stadium basically out of a pasture up Hornville. there with the help of Mr. Schaefer, and uh, it's just a credit to all the hard work that the Summertown volunteers and everybody has done to bring that program to life. Um, as far as uh, far as the game goes, um, both teams are hurting a little bit. Uh, Lawrenceburg has uh, been shut out two weeks in a row by Marshall County and um, Tullahoma. And uh, their last Tullahoma, and, and of course, um, Tullahoma really throttled Marshall County in the first week of the season. So I, I was uh, kind of surprised and pleased a little bit that Lawrenceburg stayed in the game as well as they did against Tullahoma. And uh, Summertown has had some close losses uh, that's kind of that hurt their playoff chances. And um, I think the loss to Eagleville put Loretta into the playoff picture. And Summertown is no longer in contention for that. So they'll be playing uh, for maybe some bragging rights or something to salvage their season. So I, I expect them to give uh, Lawrenceburg a very tough battle. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, playing for pride sometimes is enough. And, you know, it's um, – like I said, Summertown's got athletes and um, – you know what they've got to watch out for is obviously is Alex Carr. He's uh, got game-breaking speed, and and he can uh, change a lot of games if you don't get him contained. And if they can uh, do a good job of keeping Alex Carr contained, uh, you know I think they can be in the ball game. Yeah, and Joe, this is Delk, and and just while we're on the air, I want to remind folks down there that uh, to uh, read and. Su- the Lawrence County Advocate and to support the sponsors, the advertisers of the Advocate. Uh, y'all have got great sports coverage. Uh, you're listening here to FM 101.7. Uh, we have a tremendous reach all the way down to the Alabama line and uh, can be heard throughout Lawrence County. And hope you'll listen to us and support our sponsors here at WKOM 101.7 as well. Uh, Friday night, TriStar Sports will be on the air giving uh, a complete coverage of the results of summertown lawrenceburg game as well as all others uh, around the mid-state uh, they'll be on till what 11 o'clock jp something yeah like? we started uh six o'clock with pregame coverage and we're live online and, and on the air back and forth for five hours wow and uh if you want to call in here and talk with maurice and chris uh, at WKOM 101.7 about that game or any other game, but that one in particular we'd love to hear your thoughts on. Uh, just call us here at, at FM 101.7 WKOM, KOM. Call us at 931-381-1017. Uh, love to hear your thoughts. And, of course, 
you may want to ask Chris and JP and, and Maurice some questions. And, and, boy, if you want to go to the answers about anything sports, they've got it. Well, we, have, we we don't know if we got the right answer, though. We, we'll give you an answer whether it's right or not. We can't – who knows? But, no, we, we, do have, we do appreciate you guys listening down there in Lawrenceburg. Thanks, Joe, for joining us. Well, I like what y'all do up there. I've caught, caught your show, and uh, it's um, it's a blessing to the sports fans around here who can tune in. So, you know, just keep up the good work. Oh, hey, hey we appreciate you, Joe, Joe keep, for saying yeah, that. Keep up that good work at the Advocate and keep up your day job uh, keeping Lawrence County safe. <laughs> there you go. All righty. Well, I appreciate that. All See right. you, Joe. When we come back, we're going to talk about the – Big win for the Tennessee Titans on, on on Sunday because, you know what, let's just leave on a good note on Monday. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I, I, we, we started off this show on a, on a tough one, so let's leave on a good one. We'll talk Titans and uh, a little bit more when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Again, to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 12 minutes to the top of the hour of 11 o'clock here in Columbia, Tennessee. JP playing on the controls. Maurice Patton to my left. I'm Chris Yao, and we are so happy to be here. As, as Sunday rolled around, got up early, got out of bed, Went and had some breakfast at uh, at a southern breakfast joint, and it was great. Went to Walmart, got some some grocery shopping done because I wanted to get back in time to watch the Tennessee Titans take on the Houston Texans because I expected the Titans to be among those that blew out their opponent on Sunday. Kind of glad they didn't because it made for a lot of fun <laughs> as they get an overtime win, 42-36, against the Houston Texans. And just a a very odd sequence of events was the fourth quarter. Well, I think you got to credit Deshaun Watson for some of those Odd events, though. I mean, this just in, he's pretty good. Oh, there's no question he is. What, what's unique is you get, first of all, Deshaun Watson wills his team to a lead and then, boom, 94 yards goes – Derrick Henry, and then Deshaun Watson once again. Yeah. Unstoppable. 
you know, and and it's got to be tough being a Texans fan because the way they played yesterday, certainly this is a better team than its record shows, and and I'm, I'm sure they're glad to have Bill O'Brien gone out there. Well done to Romeo Cornell. Yeah. Guy who, you know, he, he gets a bad rep, but if we're being honest, that guy is – He's a really good football coach. He is, and he's he's done a pretty good job pretty much everywhere he's been. He's only had the one shot as a head coach up in Kansas City, and um, you know that was that didn't go the way he would have liked. But but he has really made his money on the defensive side of the ball in particular. And you know they won their first game with him as interim coach after after O'Brien was fired, and and they were in position to win that one yesterday. According to the win probability from ESPN, there was a at one point a ninety five point eight percent chance that the Houston Texans would win the game. That was when they were up thirty to twenty nine, uh, and had the ball first and goal at the Tennessee nine. They score and then go for two. What do you think about that call? You know, I've read a lot of opinions on it in both directions. I, I was a little stunned by it because, again, as you say, it's 30-29. to 29, They scored the touchdown. They go up 36-29. An extra point makes it an eight-point game, which means if the Titans score, they got to go for two. I, I was a little – I still don't really understand it because by going for two, I guess – you make it a two-score game. Yeah, you 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 win. You win the game if you get it. If you get it. If that, you, <laughs> if you get it, and should have gotten it. Randall Cobb was wide open. When I say wide open, he was the only person in the frame other than <laughs> a big old right hand. Yeah, and it just so happened that that right hand knocked down was the pass. Enough. Yeah, and next thing you know. Mr. Ryan Tannehill, ice in his veins, drives the Titans down, and an absolute beauty of a throw to A.J. Brown. Well, this guy has been nailed pretty much ever since he stepped into the starting lineup as quarterback. Yeah, Somebody texted something yesterday that he is the best quarterback in Titans history, which I thought was blasphemous. Uh, you know, until he wins a Super Bowl, I don't want to hear that, but – what he's done since he entered the lineup has been pretty darn special, and 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 I don't think there's any argument. With I don't that. think there's ever been a outside of the Super Bowl run. There's not been a better stretch of fifteen games. Sure. Now, but that being fifteen said, fifteen games doesn't make you a right. franchise quarterback. That's either. right. That's where and, the problem is. And but, now I can see him getting to that point. Sure. He's a great quarterback, and with this, with the the folks he's got around him, it's almost it, it's tough to say that he's not going to have that opportunity. Absolutely, but he's also got some studs. He's got some folks around him. He's got the best. He's got the best supporting cast that any quarterback has had since Steve ever. McNair. Uh, ever, I, I'm telling you, Corey Davis, AJ Brown, and John, John o. Smith, Smith, but Ferkser. 
Adam Humphreys, both of them have huge games yesterday, and the reason they did is because of A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. Well, and, and Ryan Tannehill because he spreads the ball around. He finds he his secondary care. receivers, and as long as they got a blue jersey on, if you're open, it's coming to you. And he 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 goes through his progressions as well as I've ever seen Ryan Tannehill do. I, I don't know what the difference is outside of the fact that I saw him yesterday stand in a pocket that was maybe four feet wide. And he stood there with no care in the world, delivered a strike to A.J. Brown across the middle into a into the – it was on that play-action pass where mm-hmm. they brought the linebackers up. A.J. gets to the middle of the field, and, I mean, a perfect throw, a strike to him. Just a really good job by this quarterback. And he, he, he continues to impress uh, – <sighs> What's really impressive about Tanny Hill is this isn't a kid who I'm a kid. This isn't a guy who grew up playing quarterback from the age of six. He no, was a, a receiver. receiver at Texas A and M. Yeah, and so I mean, imagine when he gets it all figured out. You know. Yeah, well, Stephen A. Smith doesn't think that Tanny Hill's an MVP candidate, but right now well, I, that's that's asinine. Well consider the source yeah uh this guy is as good as it gets derrick henry is an mvp candidate ryan Tannehill's an mvp candidate they're all mvp candidates right now because the the tennessee titans are five and oh and this week we get a undefeated battle between the pittsburgh steelers and the tennessee titans and i for one am fired up now whether or not you'll have your left tackle for that game it's highly unlikely from mm-hmm. what I understand. What do you do if you're the Titans? Do you stick with, is it Semperello or Samparillo? I think if you do, then that's a statement regarding your first-round pick. But the guy is uh, the first-round pick issue. I don't know if he's ready. I don't even know if he's game-ready. We got. You're gonna have to find out. And we're talking about Isaiah Wilson, the um, the offensive tackle out of Georgia that the Titans drafted in the first round, and has been quite intriguing off the field. And as Chris said, I guess you got to wonder if he's game ready. But you know, if you lose a Lawan, this is kind of what you drafted this guy for. He's got to take a crash course. He's he's got to do something. He's he's got to be mature enough to be ready to step into that spot and at least give you some snaps. Yeah, right now Ty Sambrello is the the replacement for Taylor Lewan at a Colorado State second round pick in two, 2015. So I mean, not like he's a scrub, but he did give up a sack that led to a strip and a touchdown that made uh, things, that being said it mm-hmm. was his first play <laughs> it was his first play yeah so. and and you know i'm sure that that was some scheme on houston's part hey oh, let's sure go let's go after the backup right here yeah good job by them but didn't matter tennessee 42 houston 36 and again you mentioned derrick henry first time ever to have a 350-yard passer, a 200-yard rusher in the same game in NFL history. 
And those two guys are they, – they are the straws in Tennessee's drink. I mean, clearly. Uh, we talk about Tannehill, but I don't think either – I don't think either of those guys would be as effective without the other. I mean, that's complimentary. That's exactly right. right there. He also had a 100-yard receiver. Yeah. Uh, Kirkser. Ferkser. Ferkser. Ferkser had 100? Had yeah. 113 mm-hmm. and a score. All right, that's going to do it for us today on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We have a big show coming up for you tomorrow as Summertown's Lady Eagle Volleyball team will start their quest for a state championship, a second consecutive state championship uh, tomorrow. And we will talk to Andrea Kelly, head coach of the Lady Eagles, tomorrow. Make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll have that. And, of course, the Williamson Herald. Joe T. Williams will be on the air. So stick around. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint.